welcome back to the Middleman Podcast. And after a bit of a Christmas slash New Year's break, we're back 2023 and we're feeling fresh with some fresh boxing, some cracking fights to kick us off with, including uh, Chris Eubank Jr. losing to Liam Smith, of course. And we'll look ahead to Lee Wood uh, as well, back in action against that man, the Mexican Maurizio Lara, who everyone seems to be a little bit terrified of. Uh, we'll start with Max. How are you? How's your Christmas? Uh, yeah, I'm great. Thank you, mate. Uh, feeling in good form, in good spirits. Uh, I had a great holiday. Um, obviously, you know, we, we had our great Christmas show and then, then New Year's came and yeah, just enjoying myself. Um, try and try and dry January. So uh, that's that's a bit of a challenge. Might have caved this weekend, but <laughs> that's that's a secret between me, you and everyone listening. Um, but yeah, no, it's been, been, a, been a great month. Um, and yeah, looking forward to, as you said, all the fights coming up this year and um and everything to come yeah dry january you're a better you're a better man than i am but absolutely hasn't been happening uh <laughs> over here but especially not watching the boxing um but you know I've, I've tried to make a few new year switches maybe taking inspiration uh from some of some of our boxers and, and their gym routines although I think the further January goes on, it's sort of harder to keep that up um but we'll start with Eubank Junior versus Liam Smith what a fight, what a stoppage, what a shock. Uh, fourth round stoppage, of course, for Liam Smith, 34-year-old, the scouser, putting putting the marker down, really, um, in the third round and then just sort of going for it in the fourth. Uh, although, you know, I think the first two rounds I thought were quite even. And But the thing is with Liam Smith, once he locks eyes and locks on, he never lets an opponent off. And he went for the kill and the left-hand jab and, and the uppercut to, to finish it off, did the job. So... I felt like he he didn't go all out too quickly. He used the little shots well. He did well to sort of get in on on the inside on occasion. And that's what Liam uh, that's what Liam Williams talks about as well. And we'll, we'll hear that interview in a bit. But what a great fight, Max! Yeah, fantastic. You know uh, what, what a great year. Uh, but what a great way to start off the year, even uh, with you know a big domestic fight like that. It's kind of like. Not really a crossroads, you know, these guys are only, you know, don't let Liam Smith's grey hair fool you. These guys are only one year apart from each other. And, you know, Smith does just seem like that veteran in, in comparison to Chris Eubank. So everyone thought that he'd be in, in better form. Um, and yeah, just just a crazy shock because one of the things that you do associate with Eubank is that granite chin. You know, we've seen him take flush shots off people way heavier than Liam Smith. Um, so I think, you know, the weight played a big part into that. And it was just something we didn't expect. You know, we didn't see that coming at all. Um, so as you said, you know, when, when Liam Smith figures you out and, and knows how to move in on you and, and let his hands go, it's hard to defend against. And, you know, I don't think... Eubank Jr. done himself any favors trying to trying to shoulder roll in the corner. It's like the last place in the boxing ring that you can you can shoulder roll really. Um, so he didn't do himself any favors there, and and his defense let him down. And yeah, Smith just exploded on him. You know that explosiveness, that that power that he carried. Um, it was crazy, and I was just it's one of those moments where you see it happen, and you're like, this is this is really happening, Bonkers. you know. And and it, it's it's great. I, I love that kind of anticipation for a fight because. You know, you're looking at that fight like one of, well, both of these guys' careers are going to change, one for the better and one for the worse after this. So, you know, when, when the stakes are that high um, and, and when the result is, is as shocking as that, it's just, it's crazy. But one for the fans, you know, don't think anyone saw it happening. And uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. 
by boxing so brilliant, but I just thought Eubank looked, he looked terrified to get hit, Chris Eubank. He, he looked a bit like a bunny in the, the headlights, I thought, in, in round four. Um, Beliam Smith came out and said after the fight that he's got a great gym, but I said all week that he can't handle me. Um, you know, I thought that he, he said, I thought I can't let him off the hook after the first lockdown. He's fit and durable. And I thought if I don't empty the tank and get him out, then I might come unstuck. And that's what he did. He, he emptied the tank and he gave it his all, like we've been saying. And uh, he really went for it. He showed that he still very much got it. Um, and there was a lot of talk and banter before the fight that, you know, it's all, it's all been put down to tongue in cheek comments. But I suppose two big things now, looking back at this fight, one, initially, I thought the referee might have stopped it a little bit too early, even though Roy Jones was throwing the towel in anyway. So I thought, perhaps, did the referee stop it too early? Was there any comeback or or was he just completely out? Um, Eubank was very gracious at the end. And the second, obviously, is this elbow claim that Eubank's team have brought up. What do you think of the elbow? I think it's nonsense, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I mean, I haven't actually seen the, the footage of the elbow. I've just seen all the talk about it um, and I've seen actually that Eubank and his team have, have appealed to the uh, British Boxing Board of Control about uh, to, to kind of investigate it and even if it does happen you know it's such an unintentional accidental thing um, I'm gonna have to look at it and, and see if uh, it really does change Eubank and, and that is the thing that damages him but you know looking at it from from what I've seen and, and the actual replays even though I didn't clock the the elbow was that it just looked and punching and that's what done the damage so you know i i feel like if if it did if it was the thing that that damaged uh eubank jr more than it was the punches then it should be investigated but i also think you know you said eubank jr is very gracious um after the fight and he was but then seeing that just seems yeah just seems like he hasn't taken it very well but you know we'll, we'll see what comes of that I, I i don't think the elbow was the deciding factor in it but as i said i'll, I'll have to look it um it just looked like smith had him in the corner you know and and let it let it all go on him um and re- in regards to to a stoppage being early i think the ref gave eubank jr every um every last chance that that he deserved to be honest because um you know he, he went down and he looked bad like when he dropped in that corner sprawled out everywhere like the, obviously you know your body language is never good after a knockdown but it was, you know, far from it. He didn't look well recovered. And straight away, you know, they, the ref stood him up, you know, said good to continue. They said box. And he came back and just landed a big straight right, you know, right down the channel, um, quite like low on Eubank as he was dipping. And and it, and it stunned him again and, and set Eubank Jr. off again. So, you know, he didn't recover from the first knockdown and then was stunned again. I think I think it's a bit uh, a bit too brutal to, to try and give him another chance to that. And I think... A, a good job in stopping it. Well, I mean, Connor Ben's probably kicking himself now, having seen that performance. That, that's what I, I'd guess. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Eubank's eye at the end probably said it all. Uh, and I think looking back on the replays, it is yeah, pretty clear that Eubank was down and out in that fight. I think in real time, maybe, maybe I don't know. I thought I thought Eubank might have had something left, but I think in reality, he didn't really. Um, so the use of the elbow again, like you say, I think they're just they're looking for excuses. I don't think the elbow had anything to do with that that uh, victory at all for, for Smith and the loss for Eubank. But that's what promotion teams are paid, paid to do. They, they pay, they're they paid to promote their boy in the best way possible. And if this is an excuse to, to make the loss 
look less bad, then that's exactly what they'll do. But all all of that aside, what a night for British boxing. What a night for big British boxing. Yeah, you spawned. And um, just one thing about about the elbow as well. I remember watching uh, clips of Freddie Roach training. Uh, I don't know what punchy elbow came from, but I can assume that it was a hook, right? And I remember seeing these things about Freddie Roach uh, and, and he's teaching about the hook and he's saying like, you know, I don't teach my fighters to be dirty or, or to try and do something a bit illegal. But when you're coming through with that hook, like if you're throwing it with that much power and, and you're throwing it in proper form, then the end of the punch should be with your elbow, should finish with your elbow. So I think, you know, I mean, if Liam Smith has watched any of those clips and, and taking it in, you know, when he's letting his hands go like that, it's, it's easy for an elbow to come in the way. But yeah, as you were saying, uh, a, a massive upset victory and yeah, a, a huge night for, for British boxing fans. And especially, as I said, when it's something high stakes, but something with that result as well, it just, it makes the occasion 10 times better. So uh, a lot of people wanted to see, you know, Smith get buried out there after, as you said, those, those tongue in cheek moments uh, in, in the pre-fight presser and, you know, some, some classless behavior from him. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, well, he's you know, put it down. It could have been, That's it could have been, He's put, he's put it all down to banter um, and he's come out and sort of sort of semi-apologised for it. And yeah, he said he said it was tongue-in-cheek. So, But, but yeah. uh, you look at fighters like David Hay over the years, some some really nasty stuff said in his clash with Bellew. You, you can go back in history and right, right back to the beginning of time in boxing and there's always been uh, talk before a fight. But yeah, you're right. This, this seemed a little bit more than just talk, but apparently... Everything's fine now. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're coming of that age uh, right now, isn't it? Where we, we kind of don't let those things slide as much anymore. And, and I think that's, it's such a good thing to do. Um, you know, I, I would hate for, for boxing to ruin itself in that sense. And, you know, I, I encourage so much progressiveness in this sport because, you know, you have it with football and, and loads of other sports where they, they try and push these, uh, I don't want to say agendas, but, you know, they, they push these things that, that matter in real life. Um you know, things that have included discrimination uh, before. So for boxing to encourage that rather than support it, like encourage to, to be against it and kind of progress as a sport, um, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, so I, so I kind of liked what Ebank Jr. did in the, uh, the face off the next day with the, with the armband. It was, it was, it was like pretty, it was kind of like a, a funny, but like also, also kind of good, like a good gesture from him. Um, not not too genuine, I don't want to say. I think it was more to kind of give it to Liam Smith more than it was like so support the uh, LGBT movement. But yeah, I think like, as I said, we are, we are coming of that age where we call people out for this, which is good. Um, but then like seeing when I was, you know, watching it on the Sky broadcast and they had like the banner under it saying, sorry for any like offensive or bad language. Like yeah. at the end of the day, what Liam Smith was saying, had nothing explicit so it was nice that sky tried to cover it but it wasn't like done too well because he, he didn't he didn't swear or outwardly say anything uh but i think i think they just tried to you know like cover their own backs with that but um yeah i think like you can't really put it down as banter like this is where so many things so many like issues i've been like spoken about like incorrectly have been like swept under the rug just called like banter um but of course, you know, it's the press conference and they're going to go and get into each other's heads. And as you said, you know, as happened throughout boxing history, we can't sit there not going through that kind of, you know, there's a bit of mental frustration, even like a bit of mental nerves going on there. So 
you know, people are going to sometimes say things out of pocket. I know I probably would just just to get a, a cheap laugh. So um, yeah, we got we got to kind of give him a bit of the uh, the benefit of the doubt as well. Yeah, there's definitely a fine line. I think people turn to boxing for entertainment. So it's like, you know, I remember I used to watch WWE growing up and they used to chat so much shit to each other. Yeah. It, it never it, it never meant anything, right? It was just all it was just all a load of rubbish. And it's sort of the same in boxing. That's why people love boxing. There's a fine line that when you bring in stuff like you know, LB, uh, L, LGBT and, and anything else that crosses the line, which which Liam Smith's comments did. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a really hard one, especially for the broadcasters. You're right, they're covering their own backs, but at the same time, do they look a bit ridiculous when that's just what boxing is? Yeah, perhaps. So it's, it is a really interesting topic. And how far do you go to to monitor and and sort of rule over what, what fighters say? And you can't take it away. You can't, That that's what fighting is. It's, you know, you get in the opponent's head and you, you agitate the other person. That's the whole point of it. Mind games is a massive part of boxing. Psycholo- psychological boxing is as important a part of the sport as as a punch. So it is really interesting. And I think someone who predicted the fight psychologically and, and almost very nearly got the score correct was Liam Williams, who we interviewed on the Minimum podcast a while back now. Uh, he fought Chris Eubank Jr. and lost. Um, was it in Cardiff? Where did they fight? That was... Yeah, they fought in Cardiff uh, yeah. in the multipoint arena, I believe, uh, yeah. early last year. So they, they fought in Cardiff. Uh, he lost in his own back garden. And, and I think since sort of Liam Williams has been on a, a really perhaps sort of difficult path to get back to where he was. Um, but he did predict the Eubank-Smith fight really, really well um, to the point where he almost got it spot on. Uh, you spoke to him, Matt. Do you want to just dissect it and then we'll have a listen to it? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I went down to uh, where Liam Williams trains. He's trained by, uh, he's gone back to, to Gary Lockett now after, um, you know, he used to train up in the Ingle gym, had a spell down in London with Adam Booth and now is is back at home, kind of back uh, in his roots. I, I popped over to their gym, uh, spoke to a lot of the fighters, including him. And, you know, this is a couple of weeks back uh, before the fight. And, you know, he, uh, you, you'll, you'll hear what he has to say, but, you know, some of the things that I, I watched the interview afterwards um, is with BBTV on their YouTube channel, British Boxers TV, if you want to check it out fully. But, um, you know, the way, like, he's had two fights with Liam Smith, right? Um, done about 19 rounds with him. I think the second or the first one um, didn't go all the way, but he, he's been 12 rounds with at least 12 rounds with a pair of them. So he knows how they operate. And it was just like incredible insight to kind of get that from a fighter because, no one really, not many people are going to know how those guys fight better than better than him. So, you know, he spoke about Liam Smith's footwork, which played a massive factor in, in cornering uh, Eubank Jr. And then he spoke about how deadly Smith is on the inside. And, you know, that's that's exactly how the fight played out. But he didn't think, you know, that damage was, was going to be done to them. Uh, and he definitely didn't predict an inside the distance win. But, you know, kind of what, what happened in that w- ring was really uh, reflected in his comments. So, um, yeah, here they are. If you see the Eubank of like three, four, five years ago, he was all a work rate and him and Smith would have been a great, you know, clash. They would have been on the inside really working hard, hitting each other with big shots. Um, I think Eubank's probably going to try and box that a little bit more this time because he knows Smith's very good on the inside. If Eubank was still what he was three years ago, he should have finished me. And and that's, that's just being straight. Um, 
I'm not going to go into detail, but I had a lot of problems going into that fight. And as you said, as you've seen, I was getting getting put down with not the biggest of shots, um, which is part of the issue which I had going into the fight. But I'm not going to open a can of worms and go deep into that. Um, I can assure you, if if I had somebody down four times in a fight, they're probably not going to see the final bell. So um, I just don't think he's got that same killer instinct anymore. And yeah, as I said, he, he probably should have finished me. I never want to get put away, and uh, you know that that would eat me up for for years to come, uh, especially with Eubank. Eubank was the harder to 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 catch clean and to really pin because um, he he had some decent movement in our fight which kind of threw me off because I didn't expect that from him. I expected him to get in my face and come and try and take me out, you know. But Smith was there. He was a bit more static. He was easier to hit. But he, he, he kind of grinds you down and really makes you work hard. Even when he's not throwing, he's making you work because his feet, you know, he's always on the inside and he's getting close and using his feet to put that pressure on. Smith can box a little bit as well. He showed no second fight. He, he got a good, solid jab, you know, fairly sharp good movement so if if I was going to put my money on anybody I think at this moment it's time to be Liam Smith I just think Smith might overwork him because he's got the, I think he's got the basics down he, he's been brought through as an amateur and he's got the best um, yeah he's got the best basics and he's got good balance and good shot variety so yeah that's my pick it's going to be a very good fight I think it's probably going to come down to the judges scorecards I don't really think any of them are going to finish each other. Um, we'll see. It's going to be a good fight. I'm excited to watch. Being realistic, I'm not going to get the winner because they're going to want to push on and fight for world title. So I'd happily fight the loser as well because they're still high-level fights. And, you know, win, win either one of them fights and, you know, it shoots you back in the mix. So we'll see what comes with it. I'm just being patient at the moment and I'm working away quietly, you know, and... It's, been, it's going to be exciting to see what comes next. So there's Max speaking to Liam Williams down uh, at the gym for British Boxing TV. I mean, Max, what's that like to, to go down to a gym and interview a, a really high-profile boxer, a really high-profile athlete, especially in Wales? Yeah, it's, it's great because, um, you know, I would I'd love for them to actually be around the corner. But I guess, you know, in... In our kind of line of work, that is pretty much around the corner, just over an hour's trip away uh, into into Land Rumney. But um, yeah, you know, fantastic. So much talent there. Uh, so much boxing history there. You know, obviously, Gary Lockett, the trainer, had a, a great boxing career before he, he turned into a, a trainer and a manager. Um, and, you know, you'll go in there, you'll see a Cordina a poster with Cordina and his, his featherweight um is, is featherweight belts and and Williams when when he had some as well, um, not featherweight by the way, obviously obviously his middleweight belts. Uh, Chris Jenkins up there and you, you know you got an old uh, Calzaghi poster where where Lockett fought on the undercard. So you know a lot of history there and um, yeah it's, it's great to be working with uh, BBTV and and be getting these opportunities to go and speak to the fighters, get insight on these fights and you know just talk about their careers. So uh, you know I'm, I'm a really lucky guy and. Um, be, be exciting to, to go to more gyms and, and a lot more shows this year with them. Well, you've made your own luck. You've earned it. And, and they are great interviews. And go follow Max on, on Instagram, Max Taylor Sportsgram. And before we move on from Liam Smith and Chris Eubank Jr., I think oh, I touched on Connor Ben earlier. They're the rumours I heard. I've heard flying around that it's going to be Liam Smith, Connor Ben next, or that is a potential uh, matchup. 
how how do you think that would go down? I think it's going to happen. I've, I I know Liam Smith has said that he doesn't he's not really interested, um, and that Conor Ben I think has been appealing, isn't he? And and he, he's fighting his way back into the ring with all the legalities as well. Yeah, um, I don't I don't think Liam Smith should give him the time of day. He doesn't deserve the time of day. Uh, I don't care what what I've seen from Conor Ben on Instagram. Uh, it's actually wound me up even more about this situation. First of all, you know, it came out last October time that he's disgraced the sport, tested positive twice for banned substances. Um, but apparently, you know, cryptically, he, he says online that, you know, he's got his lawyers on the case, scientists on the case, and, and they've worked out and he's going to prove his, his innocence. And I think until your innocence is proven, until we all know that you are fully innocent, which is going to take a lot of doing, by the way, mm. then you can talk about fighting. I saw him laughing, um, uh, laughing at Chris Eubank uh, for losing the fight, even though Conor Ben is less of a man than he is because he couldn't even be a legal fighter to get that opportunity to fight Chris Eubank. So I think like he hasn't done himself any favors recently. I used to be a big fan of him um, when he when like up until up until the moment where he, you know, he, he disgraced himself, his fans and the sport. Um, and now he just looks classless, you know, it, it, that's pathetic. Like laughing at a guy for being knocked out. Like you got to have that mutual respect at least. Like Ben's been knocked down and, you know, he's had hard times in the sport as well. The last thing you want is like, I don't care if it's your rival. Do you know what I mean? There's, you know, we talk about boxing being fierce, brutal, you know, psychological warfare, but there's also mutual respect between two people that they're getting the ring and putting their lives in the line. So we don't know. That, that fight's done any long-lasting damage to Chris Eubank and Conor Ben's just there laughing about it so you know just just horrible horrible um, behavior from him recently and it's been you know as you can tell it's been really frustrating me uh, and I don't want to hear a word of him stepping in the ring fighting top names like Liam Smith when he needs to prove himself out of the ring and then in the ring first because Say he was on these substances, you know, we've seen it with boxers before. Um, my favorite with um, not steroid use, but, you know, like PEDs uh, is Johnny Hendricks from the UFC. Um, when he was found out for using banned substances after his fight, after he was, his fights after uh, he was found out, he was just a shell of himself, you know, like could not put on the performances that he did. Uh, and that might be the same with Conor Ben. So we need to see what he truly looks like getting in the ring again. Uh, and I think he's at the level now because he's brought his stock down that he should fight like lesser people too. He should not like prospects. Do you know what I mean? Like obviously he's above that level, but like maybe not necessarily. I wouldn't want him to get in with a guy that is just far below his level and get like have that guy get hurt but he doesn't deserve the big names right now he needs to he needs to prove himself and he needs to go on like a little redemption arc right now and, and win the people back yeah he needs to do something it's a bit like Lance Armstrong the cyclist who just was nothing without the drugs that he was taking but we don't look we don't know that you're right I mean it could well yeah. be that the drugs barely affected him he could be telling the truth it's really hard to to believe that story having seen everything we've seen but that that's a potential option and, and the rematch obviously is is being spoken about a lot as well so it, with that rematch was Eubank what like I said I thought the first two rounds were really even I don't think you could I th maybe you, you could have even had Eubank ahead in the first two rounds um was he just caught out does that just happen in sport and in boxing yeah, of course it does so that's a, that may well be the case he may well come back Eubank and and give uh, Smith a, a really good go. So we'll see what happens with that uh, rematch. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Big news with Liam Williams. At, Liam, 
Liam Smith, Liam Williams as well, hopefully, and Chris Eubank Jr. And uh, a big month for boxing in February with Lee Wood back in action. So Nottingham boy, Lee Wood, uh, Lee Sal, his nickname, and uh, he's looking to defend his WBA title against Maurizio Lara next month as the featherweight rivals you know, finally meet for this proposed clash that was postponed. Um, now, Wood, as you'll all remember, stunned Can Chu to claim that featherweight crown in 2021, um, defended his title against Michael Conlon last March. Um, he's a proper featherweight boxer, and this is going to be a proper featherweight title clash. February the 18th, again, in Nottingham. And I suppose the big question is, is he the, he's the underdog, really, isn't he, Lee Wood? Although you wouldn't think it because he's defending a title, he is really the underdog. Yeah, and um, just what, like one thing about that is, don't let the weight fool you, people. This, you know, it, it's at featherweight, but these guys are not feather fisted. Like, I, I could talk to you all day about how exciting this matchup is, just because these are like the hardest punching guys in the division. But you know, talking about Lee Wood being the underdog, like, I swear his last like probably three or four fights, he's been the underdog. Kanju is the underdog, and as you said, absolutely just upset the scenes there, shocked him, stopped him because um, this guy punches like a truck. Um, and the, the same with Michael Conlon as well. After uh, fight of the year last year, you know, after getting knocked down in, in the first round, coming back, like obviously we spoke about that last episode um, and I'm sure you've mentioned it beforehand as well. Uh, just uh, an incredible, incredible fight. And, and this one is going to be not short of entertainment as well. Mauricio Lara, like it can only be fireworks, right? Lara um, is like a two... Two or, two or three fight KO streak and, and uh, with the same. So, you know, I cannot see this going the distance. It's, it's going to be so much fun to watch, man. And Conlon definitely didn't gel with Wood in terms of style. Lara definitely does. The two boxers that would just go, they're not awkward boxers. They're both going to absolutely go for the kill. And that's what is going to make it so f- exciting. And obviously, you know, I've teed up Lee Wood, Lee Wood really well, but you'll, you'll know Lara um, because he, he destroyed Josh Warrington sensationally. Um, that was behind closed doors again in, in lockdown in 2021. And that ended an unbelievable record for Josh Warrington. So, and 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 he um he almost did it again, didn't he? In the rematch, and it ended in a draw because of a clash of heads. So I think a really exciting fight again in Nottingham in the Midlands, which is brilliant for British boxing, brilliant for Midlanders because it's so local. It's not at a huge arena, and and you're right, just because it's featherweight. I mean, Lee Wood was in the fight of the year last year with with Conlon, so I don't see why they wouldn't produce another one again. So that Max is a, a big one to look forward to. Yeah, it's it's huge, you know. Save the date, people. Eighteenth uh, of February, as I said, is it's going to be fireworks. Both of them hit like a truck. Uh, Wood punches like a Mexican, you know. He he has that he has that insane power. And Ben Davison actually said his his trainer said pound for pound, he is the 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 hardest punching guy that I have trained. Um, so it's I think you know when it's a power puncher versus power puncher, it's going to be a case of whose chin holds up, you know. And I and I think whoever's chin fails. First, that's that's who's, who the loser is going to be, and and it's so interesting to see who who that will be. And you know, as you said, Lara is fight with Warrington. Warrington hasn't even been the same after that. He's calling for like the winner of that. He should be fighting the loser because he's coming off a loss already. Um, so yeah, Warrington, like you know, Lara has career changing power, um, and it might change Lee Wood's career, or Wood might do the same thing to him. It's it's so hard to call, um, and yeah, as I said, it's, it's going to be so exciting. Really even fight. And Maurizio Lara as well. He's become a real household name in boxing 
over these last couple of years and fair, fair play to him for doing that as well. Um, finally, we'll just round off our boxing segment with uh, a lighter, not in, in terms of weight, but in terms of importance and 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 weight, but not literally is uh, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. They've sorted their fight out in Saudi Arabia. Deal done. They're going to... I can't even remember when the fight is. So that's how that's how just i'm not i'm not bothered um but (laughs) but it'll it'll be interesting to see and it goes back to youtube boxing bringing new fans to the sport if you can even call what they're doing sport i mean tommy fury has to win that fight surely but at least it's on Uh, and if tommy doesn't win that fight then i I think john fury's already said that he's being disowned i think boxing may well disown uh, tommy but it's a fight that's on max yeah, and it's as as you said just there, it's a lot on the line for Tommy Fury. You know, uh, a couple of years ago when we we'd be talking about this, I was like, I just don't want to have to entertain this, but it's it's wormed itself in a a big like I don't want to say righteous, but like it's got a strong foothold in boxing now. And you know, even like boxing news, like one of the most prestigious uh, pieces of of boxing media out there, like one of the biggest outlets of like reporting on it. So as I said, it's, it's got to be spoken about. I think it's the 26th of February. So like one week after the proper would Lara fight. Um, but yeah, I'm just glad, you know, because all, all these people who are like pro um, who are like all for celebrity boxing are saying like, Oh yeah, but celebrities like get their fights done. But this, this fury and, and poor fight is just proven like boxing, you know, like some of the biggest fights in celebrity boxing are actually really elusive. And um, you know, they, they finally got a, a confirmation on it, finally got a date on and you can't help, but look forward to it just because of all the anticipation hype and back and forth that's been building up for like the last one or two years. So um yeah, a lot on the line for Fury, you know, for, for us boxers, like for us who, who really appreciate the sport for what it is, uh, he's, he's got to get the job done. But, you know, we, we've seen what Paul's capable of, um, but not against someone of, I don't want to say the caliber of Tommy Fury, because he's not a high caliber fighter, but he's a higher caliber than, than what Paul's face. So it's, it's a big, big acid test for, for Jake Paul to see if he can sink or swim with people who are actually you know, capable of, uh, capable of boxing. So we'll see what happens, man. Uh, as you said, that's, it's quite, it's quite another fifth. I wish it wasn't, it didn't have to be a 50, 50 fight. You know, it should be Tommy Fury. Oh, it's crazy. Him, but, but we'll see how it goes. It's crazy that it, that it is a 50, 50 fight. And, but, but you know what, Jake Paul looks a decent boxer. You've you got to take your hat off to him. He, he actually looks like he can pack a punch. Uh, but we'll see what happens. It, it, you're right, it'll be really entertaining. And uh, it's on the 28th of Feb. So that one happening. And I bet you afterwards, after all of the back and forth, they give each other a big hug at the end. And they're not stupid. They're making millions from each other. They're, they're probably secretly quite grateful for one another. And we'll, we'll end it with some football talk, Max. We'll end the podcast today with a little bit of football talk. We haven't spoke about our football teams for a while. There's probably a reason for that. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> uh, neither do I. Um, I'm a Chelsea fan, Max a big Liverpool fan, both of our teams having a terrible season. Um, The only sort of glimmer of hope for a Chelsea fan at the moment is Mudrick, who's come in against you boys in in our our goalless draw. I mean, that sums it up, doesn't it? The goalless draw between (laughs) Chelsea and Liverpool, that is the quality between our teams this season. But Mudrick was the best player on the pitch for me. Um, And that is where I think Chelsea finally have a little bit of positivity to focus on is is in that that player who I think is absolutely brilliant. He's a great ball holder and can run with it and, and knows when to release it and uh, also knows when to, to have a go. Um, but Chelsea under Potter, 
I was fuming when Tuchel left. Um, I'm still not happy about the decision. I still don't think Potter's the right man. And uh, I think he's proven me right this season. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Because it looked like something that you you hope would kind of work out for Chelsea in that sense. Would you say Mudrik is like has been the best signing then? Because we didn't even see much of him in that Liverpool game, but from from the moments that he had, you know, he he did look electrifying on the ball, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. He beats the oh, I can't remember his name, but we signed him and he got sent off in his first game. Um, oh, how Felix? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How Felix? So, yeah, for me, Mudrik is is the man, and um, he's a real. Glimmer of glimmer of hope for Chelsea fans. We've got some great players, Chelsea. We've got we still we've still got a squad that can compete. But on paper, if you put Chelsea's squad next to Arsenal's and Man City's and Manchester United's, or even Tottenham's, which I hate to say, I, I just think that Chelsea's lacks anything, especially um, especially its own sort of self identity, which is which is. The most troubling thing for a Chelsea fan, but very quickly because we're running out of time uh, on our Zoom call for our podcast, Max to Liverpool. What uh, is it? Just the curse of Klopp's. What, what season are we in now? Is, is seventh, seventh season. Yeah. What's seventh happening? Or eighth. Um, catastrophically, just <laughs> top to bottom, not great at all. Uh, from from the board, you know, it's it's shambles up there. FSG trying to sell the club. Um, which really worries me because I don't want the the Bowley Tuchel effect to, to come in. We get new owners and then they don't like Klopp. I think just when you're competing at the high level that we've been competing at for the last three or four years, it's unless you're like Man City or like and and let's let's give credit to Man City. Yeah, they get money pumped in, but they they gel as a team. And you know, I think that is kind of the difference between what's happening at Chelsea right now. There's not necessarily that chemistry there, which reminds me of um, United from about five six years ago, but. Yeah, I just it's 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 all going downhill at the moment. But as I said, I I, I don't expect us to to be f- phenomenal every season, be challenging for titles and silverware every single season. But there's also a bit of pride and you know a bit of shame that you need to we need to hold ourselves accountable. Really, like I'm getting bored of see- like it was funny at the start when we were having a bad run at the start of the season and Klopp was laughing because like yeah at this point you just have to laugh about it but I'm getting sick of it now like just take some responsibility and and we need like I keep saying something's got to give something has to give um, and I'm not seeing it yet but something has to be done whether it is uh, an, a new change of owners we need to sort out our midfield it's like at the time of recording it's like the 28th of uh, yeah. January time's running out we're not even going to get a midfielder so um it's looking bleak for us this season, really is. Sometimes you just have to take it, though. Take the L. <laughs> yeah, take the L. I've had to do it as a Chelsea fan before, and I think we're both doing it this season. And on that on that note, we'll, we'll end the party this week. So thank you so much for listening, guys. And uh, it's great to be back talking boxing and uh, a little bit of football as well. Max, unreal interview with Liam Williams. And uh, what a weekend to look back on and, and what a month to look forward to. So uh, all the best, guys. Hope everything's good with you. Hope the January Blues didn't hit you too hard and that dry January's uh hasn't affected you too badly so uh it's february now we can all enjoy ourselves